0: My name is Carla Ward and welcome to the Everything ECE podcast. Elfie Cohen's once said in an interview something to the effect that if we spoke to adults the way we speak to children, it wouldn't be tolerated. However, I hear time and time again adults barking orders at children as if they are expected to drop everything and do as they're told. They may be little, but they are still human and deserve the same respect we do. Imagine sitting in your staff room, taking your time to breathe in your coffee, read a book, talk to your colleagues, and suddenly in comes your supervisor or director who interrupts your conversation, tells you to pour your coffee out even though you're not done, and to get back to class. Chances are really good this would not be well received by you. Knowing me, there would certainly be a dirty look and probably a conversation involved somewhere in that process. But sometimes, that is how a transition looks like in childcare, but not for the adults, for the child. Picture a child in the middle of playing with blocks or dressing up with their friends, and now we are telling them to hurry up, tidy up, and line up. Who, and I see this in the nicest way possible, do we think we are? Sure, maybe we gave a five-minute warning, five minutes ago, how would the child know to start tidying up when we gave the warning? Children are different thinkers, and this is what I love about them. We as adults say five more minutes until we go outside, but a child hears five more minutes of playing before I get to go outside. There's no thinking. Oh, Miss Ward says we're going outside in five minutes. I should start tidying up so I'm ready to go outside in five minutes. We, the educators, didn't say anything about tidying up in our message. So, why would the child even factor tidying up into their five minute plan? So, today we are going to talk about having successful transitions in childcare. According to Oxford Dictionary, a transition is the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. In childcare, we mean it as changing activities, whether it be going from the classroom to the bathroom or outside or to lunch. There are a ton of transitions in a typical day at childcare, and the smoother and more positive we can make it, the more successful it will be for everyone. First of all, let's start by reflecting on how we speak to the children when we are preparing to move from one activity to another. Do you give a five-minute, three-minute, two-minute heads up? And what does that mean? Do we mean in five minutes we're going to tidy up? Do we mean in three more minutes we're going to go outside or do we mean in two, there are two more minutes left to play? Imagine if you were sitting in a Starbucks and you didn't know they closed at a certain time. They didn't give you a heads up and just shut the lights off and looked at you to move your butt out the door. That would certainly throw off someone's day. The warning or heads up communicates to the child and keeps them in the loop on what is going to happen next. Now, talking to the child is great, but how can you bump up the communication? I recommend that every single classroom, regardless of age, I'm even talking high school, has a visual schedule, somewhere at the child's level where they can visualize the order of activities. I also recommend having the same images from the wall visual schedule on a lanyard for the educator to wear Or have easy access to. That way, when giving verbal communication about what's happening, we accompany it with a visual indication which supports a child's ability to process the information. This also ensures that we have a connection with the child and are engaged in a brief conversation, not just where we say words and assume the child or children are listening. So now, The time is up and it is time to transition to the next activity for the child. You've given the heads up and you've done the visual schedule. It should be a guaranteed flawless transition, right? My friend, I would love to say yes, but more often than not, it won't be, especially if it's the beginning of the school year, especially if it's the beginning of the school year. My biggest advice to you is lower your expectations and pack your patience. Before we address how to support children through transitions, let's look at the big picture. Why is it so hard for some children to transition from one activity to another? There are many reasons why, and we might not know every reason every time, especially if we work with young children or children who do not have words to communicate their thoughts and feelings. A child might struggle with a transition if they are tired Hungry, confused, or just frankly, not ready to move on from the activity they were doing. Difficulty with transitions is also common when children have communication delays, limited social and emotional skills, or intellectual disabilities. There are so many reasons, and even though we may have a room with as many as 24 preschoolers, it is important to consider each child's needs and abilities and plan accordingly. Are there children who are faster or slower to transition to new activities? It is unfair to expect all the children to tidy up or go to the bathroom, eat or get dressed to go outside at the same time. All that ends up happening is a frustrated teacher and a stressed out child, and where's the fun in that? A perfect example here in Canada where you see children who are slower and faster is when it's time to put on snowsuits to go outside putting on a snowsuit in preschool or kindergarten can take forever. For some children, it is their first time trying to dress themselves. For other children, it is physically difficult as they are still developing the skills needed to be successful independently. In Ontario, we have a 1 to 8 ratio in preschool. So that means in a class of 24 children, we would have three preschool teachers. This works out really well when it comes to things like putting on snowsuits. There is no reason why 24 children need to get ready to go outside at the same time because they won't be ready at the same time. So we go in shifts. The students who need more time to get ready will start getting dressed first, then our average speed dressers, and then our faster dressers. This way, we don't have our fast dressers overheating in snowsuits and getting frustrated because they got ready and they can't go outside yet this works like a charm. And once eight children are ready to go outside, then a teacher takes that group out, then the next eight, and then the next, etc. So on bigger transitions like going outside, if you can minimize wait times, the less disruptive behaviors will happen because you don't have children sitting around idly. Now don't get me wrong, the reality is Sometimes children are going to have to sit around and wait because that is just the way our routine works. There isn't always someone else around to take the children that are ready. So what do we do? My favorite solution is to sing. Music is an incredible tool that works magic and brings so much joy to any transition. If you have seven children all dressed and ready to go outside, but one student needs help, you can sing with your students or have one of them be the song leader while you are helping other children. Singing also works magic when it comes to transitioning from outside back inside or inside the classroom to lunch or another activity when it involves having to stop a desired activity to go do something else. We talked about giving warnings, but when that time is up, singing and music is a very powerful and positive way to support the transition and indicate to a child that it is time to transition without having someone put verbal demands on them that they weren't ready for. I love to sing. I could sing all day when I teach and often I would. But if you are not a singer or don't feel comfortable singing, then using a CD or a music app is just as powerful. I know many educators who use the Dora Explorer cleanup song when it's time to transition. Now, sometimes singing is all it takes. But in my years of experience, especially with a new class, there is always at least one strong-willed child who has their own plans for how their day is going to go. And power to them. Unfortunately for this child, some transitions are non-negotiable. But that doesn't mean we as educators have to be demanding. The last kindergarten class that I taught in childcare had a little girl who knew how to hold her own. She was the smallest in the class, but she had the biggest personality and I adored her for it. She made messes in the classroom like the Tasmanian Devil cartoon, but didn't like to tidy it up. She loved playing outside, but didn't like to get ready to go outside. She didn't like changing her shoes or putting on her jacket if it was minus 10 degrees Celsius. A battle of wits was not the way to go with this little girl. I would love to tell you that I knew this because I was experienced and wiser. Nope. I knew this because I already tried it and it was so not worth it. It didn't support the transition and it wasn't positive. It didn't help our relationship. So here are three strategies that worked beautifully and I've used them multiple times with other students. Number one, find out why the child doesn't want to transition. Sounds simple enough, right? But it's a common thing that's often skipped. As adults, we know that it's time to move on to the next part of our day. But just because we said so doesn't actually make it so. Asking a child why they don't want to move on will support the transition. And if they can't verbalize it, use your observations. Were they building an awesome tower when it was time to go for lunch? Acknowledge what they're telling you or acknowledge what you saw. Say something like, were you in the middle of building an awesome tower and then I told you it was time to come for lunch and you weren't ready? Chances are the child will tell you yes and then from there you can devise a plan to come back to the tower after lunch or take a picture of it so they can look at it. Everything has a solution. The second strategy I've used is when we are in the hallway getting ready to go outside and a child needs to put on their coat. In Canada, when it's super cold, it is not an option to go outside without a coat on. If the child refuses to put a coat on, I will ask them if they need my help and that could very easily be the case but when it's not, instead of giving the attention to the fact that they need to put on their coat and get into a power struggle, especially in front of the other children, which is not fair to anyone and is frankly disrespectful, I will instead acknowledge the other students who are waiting with their coats on and mention that I see they are super warm, ready to go outside and play. I ask the other students what they're going to build outside. And often, my little strong-willed friend will join in and tell me what they're going to build outside. And I will get super excited for them and tell them how much fun it's going to be for them. Would they like my help to get their coat on so we can go outside and build it together? That usually works. Patience is key, my friend. Lastly, and I've already mentioned it, but I'm mentioning it again because it is just that powerful, and that is singing. I will start singing with the whole group, doing actions, singing songs, and then a few verses in, I will calmly and kindly walk over to my little coatless friend and gently hold their coat out as an invitation for them to put their arms in. I will make very little eye contact, I never stop singing, and when their coat is on, I will keep singing and give them a high five, a squeeze, or at the very least a huge smile and a wink, all while singing and acknowledging that they've got their coat on. Once we are outside and I see them playing, I will acknowledge with my words by saying something like, I am so glad you came outside today. You look like you are having so much fun. Transitions are hard. I am not downplaying the difficulty that some children have with transitions. They are difficult for the students and they can be difficult for educators because let's face it, you are outnumbered. I could go on and on with all the different scenarios that come with each transition, but you kind of have to take it in stride. Just know that getting frustrated never moved a child any faster. Getting angry ruins your day as much as the child's and nothing gets accomplished. So start slow. Look to see if you can limit how many transitions happen in your day. Is there a way to merge transitions? So for example, instead of going play, bathroom, play, outside, can you do a longer play, then go to the bathroom, and then go outside? Wherever you can cut transitions, the better. Use a visual schedule as well as warning clues. Sing songs and remember, those children are with you all day. If you are five minutes later than usual to get outside, it is not the end of the world. What matters is having a positive interaction with a child and not getting into a battle. As the transitions become more natural and part of a child's daily routine, the transitions will become easier, as long as it remains a positive thing in the child's life. So don't stress yourself out. You've got this. I hope as many of you get ready to head back to school or get ready to receive a new group of students, you feel a bit more confident in supporting transitions. And don't forget to reach out to me over on Instagram at El Foundations. Sometimes transition struggles are very unique to a program and I love to help problem solve. So don't hesitate to reach out to me so we can work together. But until then, happy transitioning.